0: This content may not be suitable for all listeners. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome back to Shockingly Wicked, a true crime podcast where we bring you true crime cases from the headlines to the hometowns. I'm Brianna. I'm Brittany. And we are your hosts for the evening. So we decided that we're going to cut the season down by one episode. I know you guys are devastated. Sorry, (laughs) Sorry, guys. But we are very tired. We're very tired, sleepy people. (laughs) So... We're going to take one extra week off we for of our extended on, but... hiatus. Yeah. Yes.
1: We're actually coming so. back, not like One Direction.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not a 1D hiatus. It's like an actual hiatus. So we're just going to take a couple months. We'll come back sometime in the later spring, probably. But we have a lot of things that we need to figure out behind the scenes, like scheduling, you know, trying to see if we have the funds to hire somebody to help us, basically. So we want to make sure that we are not doing this to the point where we run ourselves into the ground. So we want to make sure that the podcast is still a decent quality for you guys. So you're not, you know, listening to us and being like, "Oh, they don't have that passion anymore." Cuz we never want to get to that point. We enjoy what we do. It's just a lot. Also, we will
1: still be making bonus content for the Patreon. So if you don't want to miss us, you should
0: sign up for Patreon. That's very true. So, if you hop over there, we will still make bonus episodes and things along those lines and you also get like the full thing. Like nothing is edited. Because I'm lazy and I don't want to edit it. (laughs) But yeah, just putting that out there. The more you guys are able to help us, we can provide for you, if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. we've got four tiers. I added an extra tier that's on the lower end, just in case people wanted a little bit more than that bottom tier had to offer. So if you checked it out at one point and then, you know, we're like, eh, I, i don't know if I can swing this. go ahead and check it out again and see if maybe that I guess technically middle tier whatever would work for you mm-hmm. So now that we got that little ad out of the way, how are you doing, Brittany? <laughs> I'm exhausted. Yeah, that's a mood. I was woken up by three phone calls today, three separate one of phone them calls was patch. not me. No, none of them were you. It was all technology related for one of my other jobs. And apparently everything decided to break the one weekend that I was like, oh, they don't need me. Everything should work fine. I can sleep in. This
1: also happened the weekend that I was staying with you. You're like, oh, I got it. And then you're like, god damn it.
0: It always happens when I'm like, eh, things are fine. This is why I'm convinced that I'm cursed. So that just throwing that out there so if somebody has my voodoo doll can you just like give it a give bubble it back. bath or something i don't <laughs> yeah. know it's just i don't know be nice i'm tired <laughs> so yeah. today is brit's case since our last episode was our halloween episode which was pretty much just me and my sister shooting, cool shooting. shit so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so brit what are we talking about today
1: well, I'm in the middle of getting my property manager license, and in the course, oh, they oh. talked about this because it oh. goes to my test. Anyways, so this is the story about Megan Kanka and Megan's Law.
0: Interesting. So this is a child victim case. So if that is something that you're not amenable to, if that affects you more than adult victims, then by all means, tune out. That's fine. We've got one more episode. So, we'll see you then. But, well, I am mentally preparing myself. I don't know if you can ever really mentally prepare, but Britt, take it away.
1: Okay, so I couldn't really find a lot about Megan in her early life because, to be fair, she was only seven when she died. So, I'm going to just read an excerpt from her obituary. And Okay. Yeah. So Megan Nicole Kanka was born in Princeton, New Jersey, and had been a lifelong resident of the Hamilton Township. She had completed first grade of the Frederick R. Sayen School in Hamilton Square. She was a communicant of Our Lady Sorrows RC Church in Hamilton and a member of the WYCA Battens. She survived by her parents... YWCA.
0: Richard-
1: what did I say? C-W-Y-A? W-Y-C-A. Yeah, you I had the right letters, it. just in the wrong order. <laughs> <laughs> She's survived by her parents, Richard J. and Maureen Rigby Kanka, a sister Jessica L. and a brother Jeremy R. Her maternal grandparents, Monica William and William Rigby of Hamilton, her paternal grandfather and his wife, John V. and Donna Kanka, of Spotswood, and her paternal grandmother. Dolores Kanka of Hamilton, and several aunts, uncles, and cousins. Unfortunately, Megan was raped and murdered in July 1994 when she was seven years old. Her killer lived across the street from her family, unbeknownst to the mm. Kankas. The neighbor had a past convictions of sexual offenses against two other
0: little girls. Gotcha. So that makes more sense. I don't know pretty much anything about Megan's law, but I can see why like that would be a catalyst for that sort of thing.
1: That's why we have a sex offender registry and why it's made known to the public.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And I mean, that makes sense because if you have a history of those crimes, like, hopefully somebody is not going to treat you poorly if you have shown that you are not a danger to society anymore. But in this case, clearly he still was.
1: So let's talk about Jesse Timidiniquus quest that's how i'm gonna pronounce his name actually i'm just (laughs) not gonna pronounce his last name because i don't like him
0: (laughs) ballad yeah he's a garbage man we don't care
1: so he was born on april 15th 1961 and i couldn't find a lot about his life beforehand actually i didn't really look that hard because i don't really care but in october (laughs) 1979 before murdering megan jesse assaulted a five-year-old girl he asked her to look for ducks with him Following this attack, he agreed to plead guilty to attempted aggravated sexual assault. He was offered a chance of a suspended sentence and no jail time if he went to counseling. When he did not go to therapy, he ended up spending nine months in the Middlesex County Adult Correctional Center.
0: Only nine months?
1: Only nine months. In June 1981, after being released, Jesse enticed a seven-year-old girl to walk in nearby woods with him by talking about firecrackers. He attacked, choked, and then left the victim once she turned blue. The girl was unconscious but alive because she was found by her mother. He pled guilty to attempted sexual contact and attempting to cause serious bodily injury. The maximum sentence of these charges is ten years.
0: Why would it be attempting to cause serious bodily injury? Because he
1: took a plea deal, I think.
0: Okay, because I'm like, he clearly choked her to the point where she almost died. <laughs> so, anyway.
1: I don't know. That's New Jersey. The judge who called Jesse a, quote, compulsive, repetitive sexual offender, end quote, who, quote, constitutes a danger to the public at large and to young children in particular, in quote, opposed a full sentence. Jesse was sent to the Adult Diagnostic and Treatment Center in Avonel, New Jersey, where sexual offenders were treated. While there, he reportedly did not engage in therapy sessions, but he did meet his two future roommates. Shocking. Joseph and Brian. And as this was standard at the time, he was released less than seven years into his sentence. <sighs>
0: so he meets two other sex offenders and they become roommates, is essentially what's happening.
1: Yeah, but as far as I know, I mean, at this point, they hadn't done anything else. It was just him mm-hmm. when they go live together, which I, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you're going to want to live with somebody who accepts you, who's just like you. Oh, oh, oh.
0: Yeah, although the fact that he didn't engage in therapy. I don't understand why he got released early because usually with that sort of thing, it's like, if you engage in good behavior, you get kind of like credits. I know that's how it works in jails at least or prison. And so you can get time reduced off your sentence, but it's like, clearly he wasn't actually doing anything to try and better himself. No. Hmm. Interesting. Um,
1: So Jesse lived with two other convicted sex offenders across the streets from the Kinkas. He lived in a house with Brian, Janine, Joseph Cefeli, and Joseph's mother, who owned the house. But this house was only 30 yards away from Megan's house. Joseph, who, in 1976, had been charged with carnal abuse and sodomy of a five-year-old girl and convicted of three lesser offenses. And if you don't know what carnal abuse is, it's genital contact between a male and a female minor with or without penetration and with or without consent of the female, which is pretty much rape of a female child.
0: There is no possible way for a child or a minor to consent by I the know. way I know I just so, read this from New Jersey No I know I was just I was saying that to the audience not to you I know oh. you know better
1: <laughs> And then Brian was also a convicted sex offender but it was July 29th, 1994, when seven-year-old Megan Kinko left her house at around 6.30 p.m. to go play with a friend who lived on the same street as her. This is also the time where you could just gloss out at dark and it's fine. Nobody locked be their doors during this time. Mm-hmm. Megan lived with her parents, Richard and Maureen, and her 12-year-old sister and 9-year-old brother. Richard and Maureen thought nothing of letting her go outside to play as they lived in a quiet suburban Hamilton township in New Jersey. They'd lived there for, like, 15 years and nothing ever happened. But if you don't know what Mm -hmm. a township is, a township in the context of New Jersey local government refers to one of five types and one of 11 forms of municipal government as a political entity. A township in New Jersey is a full-fledged municipality on par with any town, city, borough, or village. I don't know why they don't just say neighborhood, but whatever. (laughs) After Megan had left the house, Maureen had gone to lay down for a short nap. When she woke up, however, Megan was still not home. Richard and Maureen went outside to ask neighbors if they had seen their daughter, and a number of them told Maureen that they saw her earlier that day, but not recently. The neighbor from across the street told the couple that he had seen Megan before dinner with her friend, Courtney, because they stopped to talk about his new boat, which was parked in front of his, like, in front of his house, but he hadn't seen her afterwards, and so mm-hmm. Maureen was like, or right, I'm calling the police. So the police arrived at the Kanko home at 8.49 p.m. that same night and searched the house and property, found no sign of her. They then went to speak to the neighbors, and in their interaction with one particular neighbor that gave them, like, a break in the case, which was Jesse. Mm -hmm. He told the police that he saw Megan riding her bike at 2.30 p.m., which did not match up with what he told Maureen and Richard, because he said he saw her at 6. So, then the police were like, mm so Joseph told the police, because he's there, their roommates, that him and Brian had been out shopping around the time, like, all this was going on, and they had receipts to verify, like, their alibi. Because so, I think they had mm. just gotten home before all this happened. So after speaking in with his roommates, the police went to go speak to Jesse again, but his demeanor had changed, and according to the police, he was, quote, shaking and perspiring heavily throughout the course of the interview, In quote. But that's not really unnormal for somebody who's, like, been in trouble with the law before.
0: Yeah, or if you just have anxiety.
1: <laughs> or if you just don't like the police.
0: Because so. like, I have one distinct memory. I was visiting my grandparents in France, and everybody around me was speaking either French or like in dialect. And so I couldn't understand what they were saying when they were speaking in dialect. Because the region itself was right on the border to Switzerland and Germany and was passed back and forth in the war. So it was like a mix of languages. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I have a Fitbit. And so I went and I checked my heart rate <laughs> and like, <laughs> sorry, I checked my Fitbit during that time frame, and my heart rate shot up by like 30 beats per minute because I was so anxious just sitting there not knowing what anybody was saying around me. So like, I mean, it's not abnormal for somebody with anxiety. This is another reason why I- the lie detector tests aren't valid because somebody who has anxiety, it's gonna show that they failed because they're hard. Every single up. time. But like somebody could just be really fucking nervous because they're being interrogated by the police. You know, like there's
1: me. I don't even know why they yeah. still do lie detector tests. They're so unreliable. Yeah. They're not admissible in court.
0: Yeah. In a way it's to prejudice the jury in but a sense. I don't,
1: I don't think you can they mention can't,
0: No, but if somebody were to say, oh, he didn't agree to take a lie detector test, it's going to make people think, oh, this guy's clearly hiding something, you know, and I don't know if they can use that in court necessarily, but what they can do is like leak that to the media or the media can find out some way and that gets out and, you know. The whole thing. Yeah.
1: So because of the way he was appearing to police, they were like, come down to the station and give a formal statement. And he agreed because... He's stupid.
0: I mean, what else can he do?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, call a lawyer. Yeah, well, yeah. But of course, usually that happens once you get there.
1: His written statement did not match what he told the police earlier that night. So now he's sitting, he's talking, 630. Before it was 6, and then it was 230. So it's been changed like three times.
0: My guy. It is not that hard.
1: So while he was still being questioned, the investigators were still searching his house. But they found cut up strips of cloth and garbage bins. That Jesse had handled, which Megan's mother recognized as material from her shorts her daughter had been wearing that day. During the investigation, Jesse had remained calm and emotionless, even complaining about the bite marks that the girl had left him. So he is nervous. And then he was like, oh, she bit me. Uh. Like his whole demeanor changed as soon as he got down to the police station.
0: Well, he probably realized, like, he was fucked, which, yeah, because he did it.
1: (laughs) So, he eventually admitted to the crime, but he, like, specifically left out the details of how violent the crime was. But he directed authorities to where he left her body in the Mercer County Park, and her body was discovered on July 30th, 1994. So, like, that same night, but going into, like, after midnight. he So... Basically, he lured her into his home after asking her if she wanted to see a puppy. Once inside, he brought her into his bedroom where he began touching her inappropriately, and she tried to fight him. Bite marks were found on his body, which would be primary evidence in the case. But during the struggle, Megan hit her face on the dresser and her head on the door, causing her to start bleeding. To avoid blood stains on the carpet, he then placed a plastic bag over her head before he proceeded to rape her. Once he was finished and believing that she was dead, he placed her body in a toy box and then carried it downstairs. When he put the box in the truck, he thought he heard her cough. So he drove to Mercer County Park, took Megan's body from the box before placing her in tall weeds, then proceeded to rape her again before finally leaving. That's So, lugature marks matching Jesse's belt, Megan's hair found in the bedroom and car, Bruises on her colon and kidneys, signs of forced penetration, blunt trauma to her head and eyes were all evidence used during the trial. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. But he did admit to killing her so that she wouldn't tell her mother that he had touched her. How about you just don't touch her?
0: Because he's a creep. Because I feel like murder is worse in the long run. Mm -hmm. But he's clearly not the brightest bulb. Nar, he's not.
1: After Megan's death and learning... Of his predatory criminal history that devastated her family because they were like, this wouldn't happen if we had known about it because we could have moved or, you know, kept her inside or watched her. But Catherine Marsh, one of the prosecutors or a prosecutor and a specialist in child abuse and sexual assault cases told A&E True Crime, quote, the community was outraged that they had not been made aware of this information, end quote. I mean, yeah. Especially if you have kids.
0: Yeah, because clearly he moved into a neighborhood that had kids. Mm-hmm. And I know that now you have to be like, you, you have can't to register. be within a certain distance. Yeah, you can't be within a certain distance of like a school. And you have to register and also like inform the neighbors that you are on the list or something like that. I don't think I, that might you have to depend. inform them.
1: Well, I don't know if they have to be informed. I know you have to register within like 10 days of moving. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a very, like, you have this short of a window, but I don't think you personally have to, because that would lead to, like, that could lead to a confrontation. But I think the state might let them know or something. Like the DMV or something. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Well, they should anyway.
1: So, at the trial, the prosecution argued that Jesse had been watching Megan for months, restating what Jesse told the police. Quote, I had learned my attraction to little girls with the softness of their skin, end quote. And describing watching Megan for some time, quote, I would get sweaty palms and my heart would race and I would go back into the house, end quote. That's what he said when I was, like, watching her. And then Mm -hmm. Detective Robert O'Doyer read Jesse's words from his statement and stated how Jesse talked about... Like how he talked when he said he was watching Megan. I was like a lot. So just chill. Quote, a lot of times during the summer, she would be sitting on the curb across the street. She would write with chalk in the street. She would wear shorts with no panties. And I would see this. End quote. That's very weird. Mm. Along with Jesse's confession, the prosecution had all the other evidence. At Jesse's trial, the autopsy showed what Megan went through based on her injuries. The autopsy revealed petechial hemorrhages in both eyes, which is normally a telltale sign of death by strangulation. A ligature mark on Megan's neck, which was consistent with the leather belt found in Jesse's room. Megan had bruising and contusions under her chin. This was consistent with an object or hand placed on her neck. There was blunt trauma to her eye, which was caused by either a fist or by striking the head against an object. Mm -hmm. There was also bruising on her back, arm, and legs. This was consistent with Megan being held on her back with someone on top of her. There were bruises on her colon and right kidney, which were caused by separate blows and or someone's weight on top of her. A tear in her hymen, which is caused by penetration of the vagina by a finger or penis. That There were two tears in the mucosa covering the
0: yeah.
1: anus, indicating penetration by a penis. Severe hemorrhaging was caused by three separate blows to the head with a blunt object. This cause of death was determined as mechanical strangulation with a leather belt. This would constrict oxygen to make its brain, causing brain death within three to four minutes. Do you know how long that three to four minutes is when you're, like, killing somebody? That's a long time. Yeah.
0: I think a lot of people underestimate how long it takes to actually kill somebody because they see it on TV or in movies. And of course it's going to be quick because you only have a certain amount of time on screen, but like, it takes a while, especially with strangulation. Like they say that something that up close and personal like that, or like with a knife or poison or something, maybe not with poison, but like with a knife, it's personal. It's very like you have to look somebody in the eye and you have to be that close in order to do it. Like that's, it's a lot. And we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors.
1: So Jesse was found guilty, and then the jury had to decide whether he would receive the death penalty or not. The defense argued that he should not receive the death penalty as he had a troubled childhood. They told the jury that Jesse was an unwanted child who was beaten and raped regularly by his father, which, I mean, like, (laughs) cool story.
0: Yeah, like, that doesn't excuse the fact that he proceeded to do that to other children. It's a whole, like, it's an explanation, not an excuse. Yeah. So...
1: So, Jesse read a short statement he wrote to the jury... This is so funny. Quote, okay, I'm sorry for what I've done to Megan. I pray for her and her family every day. I have to live with this and what I've done for the rest of my life. I ask you let me live so I someday I can understand and have an understanding of why something
0: like this would happen, end quote. You did it, my guy. (laughs) What don't you understand about how it unfolded? You've had time to think about it. So stupid. But you clearly lack self-awareness because otherwise you would not have done it in the first place. Like, what Don't the no fuck? Bozo.
1: The prosecution told the jury that they only wanted justice, quote, on behalf of the state, we do not beg, we do not plead, we do not implore, we ask for justice, and in this case, justice should be death, end quote. I thought that was funny. I mean... They were like, period, this is how it goes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know I've talked about it before, and I'm not usually for the death penalty, but I feel like with something like this, where it's like, regardless of what his intentions were, he harmed a child. Like, even if it hadn't gotten to the point where he murdered the child, he harmed a child. Mm -hmm. So, like... Three times. Yeah. He harmed three different children, and those children have to live... Well, the ones who survived have to live with that for the rest of their lives. Like, he might have had that happen to him... But he then proceeded to ruin other people's lives. Like, that's not, I don't know. There's a lot that could be said.
1: The jury agreed with the prosecution, and Jesse was sentenced to death, where he remained on death row until December 17, 2007, when New Jersey's legislation abolished the state's death penalty. Jesse's sentence was commuted to a life in prison without the possibility of
0: parole. So. Well, I hope he has spent... All of that time, thinking about what he did and torturing himself because of it. I do Mm -hmm. know that in prison, though, that... The prison hierarchy is kind of dope because they, like, will kill you. Yeah, it's like even, like, hardcore murderers who, like, have murdered adults and stuff, like, they hate people who sexually assault or murder children. Like... You have to be a real women. type of low, yeah. Like if you like harmed like yeah. a woman,
1: like women and children, most, not yep. all, obviously, but most hardcore people, like a lot of people in prison do not tolerate that. You do not get to yeah. be around
0: them, which it's is funny. hilarious to me. Yeah. It's like you have to be a real kind of low for like even other murderers to be like, dude, that's fucked up. Yeah, you're fucked up.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, because not everybody in prison is a serial killer. Yeah, like and there are people in prison for
0: stupid shit so
1: so okay so let's talk about megan's law so megan's law was signed into effect two years after her death so may 17th 1996 as a part of a series of legislation at preventing sexual offenses and crimes against children megan's murder exposed how easily convicted sex offenders can still gain access to potential victims despite the existing laws designed to prevent them from doing so After the abduction and murder of Jacob Wetterling, which we will talk about this at some point, in 1989, the Jacob Wetterling Act of 1994 was passed to establish the first state sex offender registry. As monumental as this step was, in reality, it only required that each state create its own registry for the private use of local law enforcement. So it wasn't available to the public.
0: And it would also not go to other states, so the person could have moved out of state, and that wouldn't have followed them.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. This meant that the type of information collected and the regulations on enforcing offender registration varied widely by each state and that the registry information was typically unavailable to the public. This limited the registry's overall effectiveness and allowed many offenders to still fall through the cracks. Richard and Maureen advocated for reforms to the existing laws that would keep the public informed about registered offenders who pose a threat to their safety. Megan's law was passed two years later and worked in tandem with the Wetterling Act required that the names whereabouts and other critical information about the offenders on the mandated state registries be shared with members of the community in order to better protect themselves. So if you ever go on the sex offender registry it'll show their picture and it'll show all the stuff that's like on their ID like what they were Mm -hmm. convicted of what their act was and all that tell you the address and all that. The law was further amended By the Adam Walsh Act of 2006, which we'll also talk about at some point, which better Mm. coordinated registries across state lines by creating more consistent guidelines for information kept about offenders, dividing types of offenses into three tiers that subsequently determine how much additional information about the offender must be shared with the public, and making it a felony for offenders to fail to register or violate the terms of their registration. So if they fail to register in the short time that they have, they will go back to prison. It's a felony. All 50 states All and the District of Columbia now have a version of Megan's Law, and the U.S. House of Representatives passed a international Megan's Law that would notify foreign countries of traveling sex offenders.
0: As they should.
1: However, I will say, there are some dumb shit you can do to get on the sex offender registry. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. So I feel like that needs to be changed.
0: Yeah, there are. Because
1: if you pee in like, public, I don't think you're a sex offender.
0: Yeah, And then there's instances where somebody is 18 and their girlfriend is 17 or 16, so that's only a two-year difference. And if they get caught by a parent or something who doesn't like the significant other, then they can get on the sex offender registry for the rest of their life.
1: I think that depends on the state, because I know South Carolina, the age of consent is 16,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and then it differs from state, so it depends on what state you're in.
0: And then there are some instances where somebody might lie about their age or something like that, and yeah. the, the person doesn't know. And then they end up having to register as a sex offender. It's a
1: whole thing, there's a lot of gray area.
0: Yeah. So,
1: also, if you're like, you know, you're together, you're in a couple and you're like having sex in your car in public, that's yeah. a sex offense. I didn't know that. I was like, that's stupid. Yeah. I did know
0: that. <laughs> well it's because anybody could walk past your car <laughs>
1: okay but most of the time the windows are fogged so what are they really seeing
0: i mean that's the thing though it depends on where you're doing it because if you're doing it like at a lover's lane who gives a shit yeah do that's what, what you saying. want but if you're if you're in like a parking, a parking lot, parking lot. <laughs> like like at a grocery store or uh, like maybe. you know <laughs> yeah but like <laughs> yeah that, if you're in the
1: woods or something like parked in the woods or something
0: yeah i mean you're not gonna get caught
1: <laughs> i don't know in the woods. I was, before they took live pd off they had like this mm-hmm. lover's lane in greenville and like they would go up to like cars and to like get them in trouble and i'm like bro they're teenagers well, a
0: and b like don't you Who have cares? something better to be doing
1: <laughs> literally god get your life together live pd I think that's why they took it off air. <laughs>
0: because <laughs> well, it's like you were talking about like with spartan Burb pd and how like they've kind of dragged their feet with your case it's with like like somebody almost got murdered and you're just out here fucking. you know yeah <laughs> like who cares let people do what they want as long as they're really? not hurting anybody else who cares?
1: as long as it gets sensual and they're adults yeah. and nobody else is like i mean nah if a little kid's just peeking in their car while they're doing it maybe the kids should get in trouble that's little personal space where's your parent well yeah, that, that too. Like,
0: <laughs> where's the parent? Like, that should fall on the parent. I mean, I have the, so many the thoughts. The sex offender about- registry
1: is good, like, in a sense. But, like, there's so much yeah. gray area that a lot of stuff that constitutes a sexual offenses I don't think should get registered.
0: Yeah. And another thing, too, is that, like, I think this is where judiciary discretion comes in. And that in itself is also a gray area mm. because it's, like, you don't want to remove it entirely and have it be that, like, they have to follow the letter of the law, which is the case with mandatory minimum sentencing, especially for, like, drug crimes, mm-hmm. which is why we have so many people in prison for marijuana possession, which, which is there's a, stupid.
1: There's a law, I think, that's trying to get passed At the right federal now.
0: level. Yeah. yeah they're at the federal level. But right now there's nobody who's actually, like, in prison at the federal level for it. It's all state, I think. Yeah, right now it's all state. And then hopefully, like... At the federal level, because he's done that, he will expunge the records of the people who Which, have been in off the past. Topic:
1: When they do that, a lot of those people have been in there for years, so they need to be looking at setting something up about having them re enter into the society slowly, because you can't just release them. They're like it's
0: going to be a culture shock. Yeah, and there are like nonprofit organizations usually in places that do that sort of thing. Yeah, but if it's all at once, oh, I know, because I was volunteering at an organization locally who kind of does that here in the central Virginia area where they would go into the local jails and they would teach life skills classes, like, you know, money things or like how to, to find a job, like the companies and stuff who are okay with hiring somebody who has a record.
1: There's actually not so, like, so like that. there is a lot that aren't, but there's not like, there's still a lot that will still hire you with a record. You just won't well, be able to handle money.
0: Yeah. Most they'll of the time you say handle that. Money. Yeah, I mean, they'll say that, but then there are some who are like, they say that to be on the list, but they're not going to hire you. Just because there's the person who is hiring, there's still that stigma that they have, you know, like, and that goes back to what I was talking about with the judges. Is like, you don't want to get rid of the discretion entirely because, like, sometimes discretion is good. But at the opposite end of the spectrum, you still want to have some guidelines because then you might have somebody who... Senses one person but not the other just based off of like their own personal biases so like, like there's
1: like a lot of personal bias and judge of
0: character exactly so it's like there's nuance there and it's hard to be like oh this is the way that it should be done because it's like yeah it should be done that way but you can't necessarily always legislate that because you have to factor in you know human error or human just like consciousness i guess i don't know well that's very existential very quickly
1: i'm very like yeah we absolutely need the sex offender registry but i think maybe Mm -hmm. we should just talk about what's actually going to go on there
0: yeah agreed
1: and i honestly don't think like if you pee a public or you streak or whatever i don't think that should be a sex Mm -hmm. offense i think that should just be like What's it called? Yeah. A felony.
0: Not a felony, a misdemeanor.
1: Yeah. I think that's what it should be because I think that's a dumbass reason to be put on the sex offender registry. Not to mention, people, like, I get it. Like, you're a sex offender, your address is going out, but, like, obviously these people get hate. People come, you know, they're harassed, mm-hmm. whatever. I don't care. But, like, if it's something stupid like that, you're going to harass somebody because they, like, reeked at a Braves game. Get over it or something. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Agreed. <laughs>
1: Yes, I can't live in an apartment if you're a sex offender. I'm pretty sure at all.
0: Mm-mm.
1: Interesting, because it's a felony, and I think
0: most apartments there are like you can't. That's like major well, because I know that they have to run like background checks and stuff. Well,
1: but. if you think about it, apartments are like well, a you can't be like you can't have no kids here unless it's a 55 and older community. So you can't have a sex offender there because that's too close to children, whether they know it or not. That's true. Yeah. So. Okay, so let's talk about Jesse's attempt to appeal. So, Jesse, oh at age 53, argued that he had ineffective defense counsel during his trial in 1997 and sought relief under the uh, state's post conviction relief rules. I think. Excuse me? You get excuse a certain me? amount of pills after your sentence to life. And I think this is a case of he's just trying to use the appeals because he's got them.
0: <laughs> well, I. You don't have to appeal, but I think he's just uh, no. With but this one especially, yeah, you have, them. So yeah, you have them. them. But I think the ineffective defense argument more often than not is just them trying to get released on a technicality. That's all it is. Yeah, like, well, if somebody happened to, I don't know, not mention a specific piece of information, somebody can get released on a technicality. Bill Cosby got released on a technicality, but he for sure did everything he was accused of doing. So, like.
1: I still think O.J. just got off just to get off. He so did it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. My personal opinion. <laughs> like, he absolutely did it. Did and he then write he write a book? And wrote a, I was about to say, did yes, he write he, a book?
0: Well, he ghost wrote it. Somebody else wrote it, but he was ghost like right. the one giving the information or whatever. So, but yeah, it was the whole like, if I did it. And it's like, you're really going to try to do that? And I'm glad that Ron Goldman's family sued him so that any proceeds he makes off that book go to that family. He because he, he did what a lot of rich people do, where... He lost in civil court, and then filed bankruptcy, so he didn't have to pay the court fines or to pay money to the families that he lost to. And then he wrote this book. You know, if you sue somebody, declare bankruptcy. Well,
1: that. But if you sue somebody and you don't have the money, you don't have to pay them.
0: Well, yeah, but they can seize your assets unless you you declare bankruptcy.
1: Assets, then they can't seize anything because that happens a lot. I didn't realize how often that happens in civil court.
0: Well, and that's the one issue with, like, court being kind of like the conflict resolution thing of the United States is that, like, you can sue somebody for anything. And, like, the amount of money that you ask for or that is supposed to be awarded to you, some people might not have that. But, yeah, for him, he definitely had the money and the assets. He just declared bankruptcy. So that he didn't have to pay them. And then Ron Goldman's family was like, fuck you, sir, and then sued him. And so now any proceeds from that book go to his family. So the only reason I say to buy the book is so that you're supporting the Goldman family, not because of OJ, because fuck that guy.
1: But Jesse's argument (laughs) was denied at the Superior Court level without a hearing. He has been appealing his conviction for more than a decade, and the state Supreme Court has previously upheld the guilty verdict. The U.S. Supreme Court has declined to hear the case. The latest appeal focused primarily on efforts by his defense counsel during the trial. The appeal also sought to interview jurors in the 1997 trial and review files kept by the prosecutors. The appeal division found no grounds for the argument.
0: Yeah. Why is he trying so hard? Like, you did it clearly, but like, you did it. So, this guy to me kind of sounds like a narcissist. And I don't try to diagnose narcissism in everybody, but like the fact that he's doing this, but also that he never engaged in any sort of therapy or anything along those lines when he was ordered to do it, to me, sounds like he doesn't think that he does anything wrong, that there's no reason for him to change. Because there's nothing wrong with him, you know? I mean, like, obviously I would need to know more information, but I'm just like, that speaks levels to me. The fact that he is trying to appeal this, something that he clearly did by Mm. being like, yeah, I might have done it. But, like, I don't know, get me out of prison on a technicality or something, because that guy didn't do his job right.
1: So... Let's talk about the Megan Nicole Kanka Foundation. The Megan Nicole Kenka Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit charitable organization founded by the Kanka family. The foundation wants to ensure that every step possible is taken to help prevent the future victimization of children. It is their hope and dream that no other child will suffer the fate of Megan Kanka. The Megan Nicole Kanka Foundation relies on the support of thousands of volunteers, donors, and corporate sponsors of all sizes. Richard and Maureen Kanka have one goal to help all children everywhere. If you would like to make a contribution, volunteer your time, or find out more about the Foundation's program, please call 609 890 2201 or email meganfoundation at net, or send a contribution to the Megan Nicole Kanka Foundation, P.O. Box 9956, Trenton, New Jersey. 08650. And I'll link the website the- link to the sh- <laughs> I'll link the foundation <laughs> the website in the show notes.
0: Yes. So again, that email address is Megan Foundation at optononline.net. And then the P.O. box was 9956 in Trenton, New Jersey. So whew, that's rough. Fuck this guy. He is absolutely a member of the Garbage Man Association. Like the audacity to like, rape and murder a child, and then try to appeal your conviction for years. Like, whew. If there's one thing this man has, it's the audacity. So. Yeah,
1: which, I mean, I can't say anything. If I went to prison and I got a pills, I'd probably try to use them too.
0: Yeah, I can't relate to that. I guess somebody's moral compass has to be, like, really off for something like that. Because, like...
1: Yeah, yeah, breathe. They raped and murdered a child.
0: Yeah, I know, but there are some people who like have done something like that who acknowledge that they have these thoughts and these urges or whatever, and then they don't act on them. And like, I'm not saying that we need to, you know, feel bad for them, but like, clearly, it's possible for people to do that. So, oh, this is a PSA. S- if you see, seek therapy, if, if you yes, think seek that. therapy for sure. But yeah, this is a PSA to like the audience that if you ever see somebody like call themselves a map that means minor attracted person they're trying to kind of like move away from calling themselves pedophiles you know and whatnot so So you ever see somebody yeah they're still pedophiles like they might not have acted on it yet but like trying to normalize it by calling themselves minor attracted persons no that's not okay not at all so just be aware of that That's a new thing. Well, I guess not necessarily new, new, but it's a recent thing.
1: It's like those people in the internet community trying to add pedophilia as part of the LGBTQ community.
0: Oh yeah, like no, that's no.
1: Or like age has no number. Absolutely, it does per the law of the United
0: States, my guy. Well, also in just like development, like people's brains are not fully developed until the age of twenty-five. Yeah, but I don't think. So what makes you think? worried about no i know but i'm just like when you think of it biologically like that like
1: yeah but if you look at like media and like okay let's for instance harley quinn in the original suicide squad was definitely developed oh, yeah, in a millgate like millgate she had pigtails you know she was made to look a lot more childlike Younger, almost yeah versus birds of prey which i think
0: was directed by a woman am i wrong? It was no, okay. it was, and also Marga Robbie had a bigger hand in like making those decisions too. And even in the second Suicide Squad,
1: she was not, yeah, portrayed as like younger or you know tried to make look younger, not portrayed younger. Yeah,
0: no, I, I know what you meant. And yeah, media definitely plays a part in that because like then you've got shows like Riverdale, for example, where keep in mind all of these characters are supposed to be high schoolers and they're like they're played by adults. Mm -hmm. but like they are supposed to be high school kids and there is just constantly sex scenes you know in the show
1: which that's why i'm like the more i've gotten older the more i'm like i don't want to watch something that's like based on high school that's weird like that's why i never got into not that stranger things is like that but like i just it's younger Mm. they're like in school
0: yeah so I get it. Like media definitely plays a part in that because they have adults playing the younger kids. And then in response, these teenagers are like, oh, I should be looking like that when really they're or looking at these people who are sense. in their 20s or 30s. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so like that definitely plays a part in it, too. So I just I'm not saying that you can't watch these shows, but just make sure that you like pay attention to things like that and don't, I guess, glorify it. Like, mm-hmm. don't. Don't normalize that. Like if media realizes that people are not watching this content about, you know, teenagers having sex, it's the same with books too. Like young adult books, there needs to be a new section or a new genre called new adult for people in their like young 20s, like in their 20s or whatever. Because right now there's just like young adult and then it jumps up to adult. And so that's why you see a lot of young adult books like... Sarah J. Mass books are targeted towards young adults, even though they're like rife with sex scenes and like smutty writing, which is fine if that's what you're into. But if like young adult is marketed towards like teenagers, <laughs> so
1: I think you should just all stop watching Riverdale because it's a shitty show, anyways. Well,
0: I'm pretty sure they canceled it. So I Good. think there's like one more terrible. season and then it's done. Yeah, I never watched it because it just was not appealing well, to me. apparently, I but... went from
1: like rah rah, get a team to like. I am the devil.
0: <laughs> well, that's not surprising because they, they had to tie it in with Sabrina, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, because apparently they're in the same universe. So, Oh, are they? Wow. <laughs> apparently. They did a crossover at one point. But anyway, that's just some commentary on like... did like, that th- get there's canceled? There's a lot of layers to shit. Didn't yes. Sabrina get canceled? Yeah, that one also got canceled. Yeah. That wasn't that good. I didn't watch that one either. I was meant to and then I was like, eh. I watched the yeah, OG balance. one with Jennifer Hart. If you didn't watch... Yeah, if you didn't watch the OG one, then... There's something wrong with you, probably. So, yeah, that's just some commentary on the media. There's a lot of nuance that goes into this conversation, but I think one thing that should be stated is just that, like, we all can take a part in, you know, the responsibility of what has kind of helped generate this problem. And that means that we can all be a part of the solution. So, on that note... (laughs) You can find us on social media. We are on Instagram at Shockingly Wicked Podcast. We are on Twitter at Wicked Podcast One. We are on TikTok at Shockingly Wicked. You can find us on Facebook at Shockingly Wicked Podcast. We also have a YouTube channel that we don't use, but we might post some behind the scenes content as we create it over the next couple months. So that is at Shockingly Wicked Podcast as well. You can find our website at shockinglywicked.com or shockinglywickedpodcast.com. They'll take you to the same place. And all of those links are on there our Patreon is also Shockingly Wicked Podcast. Like we said at the beginning, we have four tiers. Two of them are on the lower end. So if that's something you could do, check it out. We're going to be posting bonus content and such that you only get on Patreon over there over the next couple months. So if you want some extra content, if you would like to see our lovely faces while we are on our extended hiatus from regular episodes, we'll be over there. We'll also be probably still be a little bit on social media but not quite as much and anything that you give to us through there goes right back into the podcast so thank you guys so much for listening if you have case suggestions for our future seasons or for bonus episodes for those few patrons that we do currently have you can send those to us at shockingly wicked at gmail.com or use the contact form on our website and i believe that is everything so Again, thank you for listening. Go to podcastcalendars.com and get yourself a copy of the calendar that we are featured in. The code is WICKED, all caps WICKED. That adds an extra 5% off of the current 10% discount that you get when you pre-order. So we will see you for our finale next week. Bye. Bye.